Welcome to the Tag You're It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And hey. my volume is a little bit down in my headphones. It's a little bit down. But I don't know down. if that's it's because you turned down. it down. Sorry. Oh, that's perfect. There we go. Anyway, yeah, yeah, awesome. Good. Not that I couldn't hear you, but I can hear you so much better with that. So, yeah. 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 Show so, you know, it's, again, still a new studio, still new experience for us. So it's more than what you're seeing, just different on the screen anyway. But it's a very it's new a for setup. us. So, I like yeah. the setup a yeah. lot. I it, The only thing I don't like is I'm like the center now, and you That's were right. the center. And then... To, but I got, I, I got bigger. I got bigger. You did you get got, bigger. You got I, shorter. Maybe I got smaller too. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it works out anyway. Here in the Tag You're It studio, yeah, it's wonderful. So um, it's awesome to be doing another show again. Yeah. Uh, just to let you guys uh, know, if you're just a, a part of the podcast land or YouTube land, uh, we like to come together, say every other Monday, and do two shows, and then split them up week to week. So we always have you know a fresh new episode, a new say hours worth even though um i guess uh, it'd be a few weeks ago now or last week uh really um whenever we went like an hour and a half like a super yeah you guys had a good program it was, with, it was excellent all that was called for for sure yeah. so all good stuff awesome anyway but you know it's one of those things we don't want to bog down like be i'm sure this is not definitely the only podcast people listen to and uh you know given a given an hour a week if we get an hour a week of someone's time man that's amen. amazing that's and, and we cool. love it and well, we thank grateful. you so much um that uh this is intriguing enough that we again continue to pray um that this is edifying that uh what we are doing is useful for the kingdoms that means if we discuss something that a pastor uh, comes across that needs to be discussed that, Hey, we're, we got a good resource to at least get a conversation and bring people together to talk so they can bear one and one another's burdens so that they can uh, exhort and rebuke and like, and be the church. That's, the big deal. So um, we hope again uh, that last week's episode is that way. That this week, um, this this episode is that way. And uh, so um, <clears throat> to get into the the episode, and I guess really before, I just want to make sure to plug again, Baptist and Reformed Publishing. We've got a book. I've got some physical copies. If you're watching it on the video, you can see it. Did God stutter? Look at that. It's not too big. It's not too intimidating. And it's just really awesome to have this book because it's been really since we started the podcast that Dave had a physical book that he released. And so it's nice to have that and get the ball yeah, rolling that on is a the first few time more. That we've actually had a since in the five seasons of the podcast. This is the first time I had a brand new book. Now we did have, of course, our chapters yeah. in a book but yeah we've got our own deal and you and do that was good. and i got to participate and i was oh, thankful man. and it's it's awesome that i've i've even gotten to be able to like i need a signed copy so <laughs> i'm the only one that's actually signed copy so nobody far, has asked me for a signed copy the one oh. copy that i got and gave away I told the person, you don't need me to sign it. If you want me to tell you a message, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. And of course, as a person who's a member of my church, and so they were happy to read it. They liked the title, Did God Stutter? That's probably the most comments I've got. Yeah, yeah. Is, Great title. Where did you come up with it? So yeah, I've I always got a, get to tell that little bit. Yeah, I've got it up in my barber shop in my my little shelf with it out like that. So I'm oh, hoping nice. people kind of look at it. I think I've caught a couple people. They didn't say anything, but they, <laughs> I think they looked at it and was like, What's that? <laughs> Do God stutter? Because that could be uh, really taken wrong 
if you're yeah. not if you're thinking maybe it's against something. Well, remember the original title before Rob helped me was Did I Stutter? Oh yeah. And so he said, No, nah, it really should be Did God Stutter? And I think that that's a great. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was a good decision because that made it clear a little bit clearer what what I meant with that. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So um, yeah, if you go to uh, tagyourministries.org slash brpub, oh, you yeah. can go there. Um, <clears throat> you can read the. There's a summary on there. There's also a donate button. It's still up uh, saying that if for a gift of any amount, we can send you a, um, Oh, I'm just, I got disconnected here for a second, but yeah, we can send you a PDF file for the gift of any amount. Um, we're still doing that. That will eventually close down because we will end up getting a Kindle version up. So, um, if you want a copy that you can get at your own price, um, to help the ministry, cause all the money that uh, we get through this gets put in an envelope basically, and it only gets spent on, you know, what we do here with, uh, the website, uh, the hosting for the podcast. Um, if we have enough, any traveling expenses or whatever, cause Dave on his own dive drives down here from Buffalo. I'm glad um, to do it. To do it's it. Awesome. And it's not, and it's one of those things we're doing this and we don't mind doing what we're doing. I don't mind having to buy a piece of equipment or, or something, um, to continue this thing, but it's really awesome. And so, you know, with that said, you know, I do want to think we have another person that small amount and, but any, any, anything that, we get helps. And so I just want to say thank you uh, to a, a man named Leon. Um, he just given us a small amount, just saying, you know, and, and he doesn't really know much about um, the ministry or anything, but he just wanted to be like, I wanted to give you something to do something with for the ministry. So we thank Leon. We thank you for that um, because I'll go to something that, you know, it doesn't come out of our pockets and it's very helpful and it does further the ministry. And it's just encouraging that people are willing to just be like, Hey, here you go. Here's something, utilize it for whatever you need to utilize it for so we don't ask for money but when we get it i just want to make sure that the gratitude is is given and um we do thank you for that so yeah we've um, been really grateful yeah. for anyone who has given us a nice little donation it's been been a few people and we really appreciate it that's not money that we're putting in our pocket to to go buy things everything that we've been given we've used to support the ministry in some way or another and that's been you know just a blessing because Again, we would do it without that donation or not, you know, because we actually really love being able to do this. And we, we want to thank very clearly the uh, pathway for writing that great article mm -hmm. on us. If you haven't seen that, we really want to encourage you to get yourself a copy of the, the paper copy of the pathway. It has a really nice uh, spread of not just about... Uh, tag you're it but it has a great piece on the missouri baptist apologetics network which we are proudly members of uh we are the lone missouri baptist apologetics network podcast and so that's a pretty cool little piece too and we always love to host missouri baptist apologetics network members we just got off the phone with one that we'll have in july and so mm -hmm. we're, we're excited about that because we want to showcase the work of other really good apologists that are in the network and so if you are a network member you've never been on the podcast make sure you reach out to We'd love to have you on because that's one of the primary things, like one of the goals of this podcast when we set out uh, five seasons ago was to try to showcase and create a good catalog of apologetics teachings because a lot of times churches aren't inviting us to come in. So here's a really quick piece. Someone can listen to it and then someone could invite someone to expand on something that an individual from the network taught on the podcast. Yeah, and so that's yeah. always our goal. 
Yeah. So uh, with that said, uh, we quickly need to get into uh, yes, what yes, we want to yes. get in tonight because this is probably going to end up being a two part. Yes, I just certainly. didn't write it down. I didn't. I wasn't dogmatic about it, but I'm just going to probably have to say I'm dogmatic now um, <laughs> because because uh, this is going to this has future in- implications yeah, of uh, discussion and everything. And as that comes to fruition a lot, a little bit more on some details, we'll unleash the details. <clears throat> but yeah, but I think uh, we can say. Yeah. We have invited Phil to participate in a two-person debate on the topic about presuppositionalism because it seems like his walk away, and you'll hear as we deal with this, his takeaway from the debate was, I'm foolish because I'm a presuppositionalist. And I yeah, think yeah. that that's so, yeah, to a, a put the context in that, We're talking about, yeah, Phil Kahlberg. Yes. So that was the uh, man who Dave debated um, last year on the inerrancy issue that is in Did God Stutter? And uh, he had come out with a podcast. Um, I, he had dealt with the like after party basically of the podcast or of the debate on his podcast. And then later on came back to talk about presuppositionalism on his podcast, the examined life. So you can look that one up and listen to the whole podcast, but you're going to get it here. That's why it's going to probably be two. Maybe we've done three parters too. We have we'll done go, three parters before. Yeah, we'll go through it. <laughs> you know, it's not a long podcast at all. Um, but I think it's one of those things. He didn't really get why Dave was doing what he's doing. He heard it, you know, it's, and then he got thinking about presuppositionalism presuppositionalism getting into it and going oh well this is why dave was arguing the way he's arguing now he's really in a tizzy of like describing it that's what we'll get into um, but that's what we want to get into tonight is get into the discussion because we will end up having um and we're praying for a debate to happen um we're working on a debate to happen it's going to happen later this year and so let's uh let's start with it now um so that we're prepared and that you are prepared so that whenever we do come together we can actually have a great uh interaction me and dave and then us two with them two and then you guys around that come that have been a part of the conversation yes. we'll have a whole lot more information going into it so that you know q q a time could be awesome um and more clarifying than usual because a lot of people don't really know it's being talked about um and that's why they're at the debate but let's let's get involved and get in there so anyway with that said uh, we want to talk about phil Kahlberg's problem with presuppositionalism and so if you go again to his examine life podcast it's on there and let me open this up and get there it looks like it's episode 74 the problem with presuppositionalism and we're going to start about uh two minutes in and i've got it one and a half speed if uh anybody out there that's listening if it's too fast let us know dave if it's too fast let me know <laughs> but i got one and a half speed just because even if we have it at one and a half speed we could take three or four hours on it oh, right yeah. so anyway just uh bear in mind that's what i done and uh we'll we'll see how it goes so let's that's what uh, you've done <laughs> that's what i've done so let's go let's get into this uh, something that's called presuppositional apologetics which is a form of thinking well i would actually say it's not thinking but at the very least we can call it a school of thought there you um, go I talk- right off the bat it's not yeah. a form of thinking according to what standard like yeah. how do you define what thinking is yeah. And again, you might say, well, that's a silly thing to ask. Right? No, he played it. And he goes, the first thing is it's not thinking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what that, do you mean so, by yeah, that? He hits, Sorry. He hits the thing, you know, so is uh, presuppositionalism a form of thinking or is there thinking prior to the actual methodology? So presuppositionalism is, presuppositionalism is actually a methodology from thinking. So it's not a form of thinking. So uh, right out of the gate, what we're getting is his philosophical worldview interpreting something instead of actually internally critiquing an issue. Yes. He is taking his worldview, 
bringing something into his worldview to explain it. So you're only going to get presuppositionalism as it is explained from his presuppositions. Yes. Versus just going and being fair and going, well, this is what's said. This is how it's supposed to work. Here's how it could be consistent because he doesn't want it to be consistent. And we'll, we'll get to that yes. because there is a major issue that actually sort of changes the, the debate discussion. really. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, let's uh, keep going doing this way back when after I finished doing that debate with David Van Beber on the nature of inerrancy because I didn't Real quick, quite... I have to... It wasn't the nature of inerrancy. It was the doctrine of inerrancy. Yeah. Again, you might say, well, Dave, you're splitting hairs on that. That was the problem. He did not want to say that inerrancy had an objective meaning. He wanted to say that it had some very arbitrary and vague understanding. A scale or range of concepts, Bingo. which we have said, if you have a scale or range of concepts, if you know it's a scale or range of concepts, what is the standard by which there you say you it is a scale or it's range that of simple. concepts? How do you measure that standard? Well, there has to be something you measure it against. Yeah. Realize this is explicitly when I went into the debate, but he, that's a form of uh, that's a school of thought that he subscribes to, and it's uh, well, I won't bury the lead. It's a very bad way to think about things and go about things. It's okay. Wait one second. It's a very bad way to go about things. Okay, according to what standard? Yeah, again, <laughs> that seems so silly. Yeah. But by what are you evaluating that? What is your ultimate authority for evaluating things? Yeah, that becomes the problem. Over and over and over again. Yeah, so, what is, yeah, what is the criterion to make that coherent? Fundamentally flawed, and so I'm going to talk about that this week. So, anyhow, to uh, get going here, I want to tell you a little story from one of the first classes I took when I was getting my master's in philosophy. This uh, course was on uh, the nature of philosophy and theology and how they interact. It was being taught by a Catholic priest, um, and pretty good course. I, I really enjoyed it. Learned quite a bit. Uh, I'm not, there was a, but there was one question on the final, and I forget exactly how it was worded, but it was something along the lines of, explain the nature of philosophy and theology and how they interact, which, as I said, was pretty much the point of the class. And so I was looking at that question thinking, well, how do I answer this? And my thought was, well, theology is the study of God. It's about getting the knowledge of God. Now, knowledge, that's epistemology, and epistemology falls under philosophy, so that would mean philosophy is prominent, so I wrote in the answer more or less that, that because theology is knowledge of God, and knowledge falls on the idea, as in questions about how we know things fall into the province of philosophy, that philosophy had to take some prominence over theology. Now, the uh, instructor did not like my answer at all. He said, no, no, absolutely not. Theology is prominent over philosophy because God is the ground of all things. From God, we get everything else, hence, and theology is the study of God, hence, theology has to be prominent over philosophy. And so he obviously didn't uh, really like my answer. Now, the question I think you should ask is, who was right? Was he right or was I right? And that's this is the thing is, whenever you get into this, he tells this story, and it's really interesting because he did go to a more a, a Catholic, yes, college, Catholic right? seminary, yeah. yeah, Catholic seminary, and so man, I am so happy that I can agree with a point, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, it's probably a different issue because he's autonomously probably reasoning that it's just like, well, that yeah, it has to be. So he would be arbitrary, probably saying theology is prime. But I do agree, theology is prime, but. The thing is, he's saying that knowledge 
falls into philosophy. And so we have to explain knowledge philosophically, but again, what is the starting point of that? So we would agree that there is a philosophical issue. Of course. But by Where what standard? does it start? Okay, so we say that theology is prime, and then from what has been revealed here, again, like the issue is we're talking past each other because one, and, and even though the language is adopted, I want to make sure that there is a sharp distinction between what is called natural theology and natural re- and, and natural revelation. Yes. Revelation comes in, natural theology is from down to up. Yes. And so it's man trying to transcend himself. It's what the Enlightenment said. We can't do that. And that's the shift between relevatory understandings of, of uh, pre-modern times to modern times where reason was the center of everything. Man is the interpreter of reality. And that is exactly the problem. That's why we're still having this debate. But until we understand each other's definitions, which I think the presuppositionalist understands the definition of natural theology better than the natural theologian, because they are still stuck in enlightenment ideas that we're trying to transcend up. That's not how it works. If it, if the Bible is a collection of things written by people trying to describe God, then Everything is fair game. We're just particles in motion governed by time. We're just, we can't even say that we know that we are those things. We're just, we're just, again, stuck in that absurd notion. But we say that God has revealed and things have come into our senses and he's given us positive things through special revelation and they work parallel with one another and it's all received. That's why Paul says, why are you acting like you haven't received it? And so, again, whenever I stand, I have to stand corrected by Scripture and believe what Scripture says to interpret reality. The Holy Spirit, who guided men, as Peter says, to write what God had told them to write, what God had inspired them to write. So the standard has to begin with the ultimate authority. And Mm -hmm. therefore your theology, which is given to you by God, should then guide your thinking. That is the position of scripture. When Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that the natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. When did you get the mind of Christ? At regeneration. Therefore, your understanding in the regenerate sense begins with God. It starts with God, not Mm -hmm. with your philosophy, arbitrarily reasoning to God or up to God. And that is a clear teaching in the scripture. And that's not going to be where he goes. It'll be, well, I can get to God without scripture. That's exactly the position that you get to when you start there is, well, I can get to God without scripture. Well, you can get to a God and this is the problem. This is the problem because even R.C. Sproul unfortunately said, well, we can only know a possibility, a probability of God. And then even worse is William Lane Craig, where he says, I don't know if he exists at all. And that's stinking heartbreaking. I mean, I'm not I'm mad, but I'm heartbroken. Yeah. So that's, that's the issue. So you have certainty or you have really nothing. 
It's just you have the best hope, and then do, but do you act as though does did R.C. Sproul preach as though God was only a pro like you were only probably saved? No, he was a Calvinist. Yeah, and if you were elect, you were elect. His, yeah, I don't see it. I don't. I don't get. I don't get it. Well, but, and yeah. again, he did not allow his soteriology to and then guide Mullen, yeah. his. And then Molinism allows you to just go in and out as you please. Oh yeah, so, you can yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> And although I did not realize this at the time, now I realize you, you were actually both right. In a... I ended up slowing it down because oh, okay, gotcha. it was yeah because uh, yeah he's doing the he he recorded this in his car and yeah. so that's what you're hearing a bunch of uh, noise because it's raining I think and he ends up having to stop and start it yeah. again and whatnot. Sorry, too, so. to it's just it's, yeah, it's very noisy, so I slowed it down. Certain sense, and I'll be able to explain more about that once I get to the end of this podcast and cover presuppositionalism. Because the great error of presuppositionalism, I think, is very well illustrated by that disagreement that the instructor of the course and I had there. Which is prominent theology, philosophy? Well, it depends on what sense you're talking about and what's going on. And so that's what a, that's why this is a useful topic to cover, even though presuppositionalism is wrong in a great many ways. He does a really good job at poisoning the well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wrong in many ways. So we yeah. need to make yeah. sure that many ways are documented. Yeah. Wrong in many ways. So document the many ways that he says here. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Philosophical movements and ideas and ideologies and things like that. Presuppositionalism is not all bad, even though I'm going to criticize it's it. It's wrong that in many mean... ways, but it's not all bad. Okay. So wrong it's a scale and range of concepts. Bingo. That there aren't things that people who are in this camp say that aren't good or that there aren't good points you can take from it. You can take that from pretty much anything that everybody has ever uh, thought about. I think I heard Dallas Willard say one time that in virtually every religion that more than three or four people follow, you're going to find some things that make a good deal of sense because a lot of religions, philosophies, and ideologies are essentially collections of... Again, he is demanding an objective standard that is true, and there can be no other truth. That's right. So he keeps on saying, so I mean, he's positing an idea of objectivity, but does that idea actually exist and that's the problem of the enlightenment you don't know that's right and so this idea of god then you don't know but we're just doing our best that is exactly and these are the best we got but then the thing is is people don't use that language except for i was happy whenever the uh, atheist experience guy um, arguing against Matt Slick was actually honest and said, well, these is, this is just the best we got. And that is telling at least he was honest, but if this is the best you have that you don't know, well, why are you, why do you have an atheist show? Why do you care again? That becomes that. So what issue things that at least seem to make good sense to some people. So you're going to find something valuable in all of them, at least if you look hard enough. And it's the same thing with presuppositionalism. I'm going to criticize it quite a bit, but that doesn't mean there's nothing of value that can be taken away from it. Even to the point of saying that there's more uh, to value in it than just simply what we can learn from where it goes wrong. Uh, an example of how you could take it in a very, uh, for lack of a better term, charitable way that's useful is when I first heard about this idea, probably uh, 10, 12 years ago now, I thought what it meant is not 
what it actually is, but I, I thought presuppositionalism simply meant that if you truly believe in Christianity, you're going to think that there's problems that somewhere at work in every other religion, ideology, and philosophy that is non-Christian, and so you could go through the process of knocking them all down and only having Christianity left. Now, that's not really what it means, but if a, somebody who wanted to claim presuppositionalism was going to argue that way, well, I think that's just true. That's the way it is. And you could, in some senses, take a, take that lesson from what presuppositionalism actually says, although that's not what the thrust of it actually is. Now, so presuppositionalism what is as the thrust of it actually? Yeah, so, yeah. And the one thing is, it's like he was actually on something that it actually teaches. Um, it's not that if you're a Christian, blah, 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 blah. It's that, no, this is the case. If you do not. He should know that is, it is the argument ad certum. Yeah. Right. So, and I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. He never, he, he talks about it and you can get it from there. Um, but he never actually mentions argument by the impossibility of okay. the contrary. So whenever he does get, it, we'll see later on whenever he actually starts talking about the transcendental argument, he doesn't use that language. So I'm going to say he's probably stayed way in the background and actually not actually followed, um, presuppositionalism's history. Um, cause he, he is like me, he wants to go for the head of the issue, but it is something that, um, he's definitely unfair, um, because it, he's going to call it novel for one, um, that there's nothing, you know, this is something totally new that you really can't find in history and all that kind of stuff. Even though he's going to be like, even though he's going to tell you, John Calvin basically did what presuppositionalism, what presuppositionalists say he did. Um, there's a lot of things yeah, that there's a lot of things wrong that are, about yeah. church history, but we by do. the way, so. Yeah, we do say if you don't have the Christian worldview, there's going to be flaws, and we are to there find those flaws, hold them to those flaws, show that they can't live consistently, that they have quicksand underneath them, as Scott Oliphant would say, the quicksand quotient, and then when they look down, they go, I've been standing on a false um, foundation, and it was never actually there. And so it's almost like, you know, why, or like, uh, like Yosemite Sam walking off of the, uh, cliff and he's up there for a little bit looking like he's running and then he falls down when he looks down because there was nothing underneath him yes so it's only in his mind like mind over matter <laughs> in a way um that he was believing he had you know anybody that's not christian in a, in a christian worldview believes they have structure and so they're just sitting there doing this and then they you get them to look down and they fall realize that there's yeah but that's only by the holy spirit so we i mean we, we were not assent to information which we're going to find out this is what Phil's position actually is, is assent to information is what is needed to be a Christian. ...and practice nowadays primarily comes from the writings of Abraham Kuyper and Cornelius Van Til. Now, you may have heard I would of Van stop Til in there and say, primarily, you've missed the boat on a lot of things. If you don't throw Bonson in there, I, I, well, I you, apologize. B.B. Warfield, like all, the, all yeah. the stuff that happened at uh, Princeton. Yes, so you had Kuiper, B.B. Warfield, uh, Gerhardus Voss. Like, so you have a lot of theology going on. It's not just Kuiper. One, yeah, um, one guy. And then you get to uh, Cornelius Van Til, and then you have the history. And so, again, he didn't mention the impossibility of the contrary, so I don't think he's ever dealt with Bonson, understood the differences between uh, Schaefer and yeah. Frame. Bonson. Um, he does talk about Plantica, but yeah. Yeah, but he, he, he gets that right, and we'll, we'll get there, but. 
those presuppositional selective quotum as well. Oh, excuse me, selective quotum quite a bit. But unless you've done a good deal of study in Reformed theology, and especially Dutch Reformed theology, you've almost never, it's pretty likely you've never heard of Kuiper, because although he's turned out to be a very influential figure in some of the ideas he espoused, he's not nearly as well known as many other uh, theologians are. And he now, should you can be. also see uh, traces of this idea, or what would maybe become this idea of presuppositionalism, as far back as John Calvin and even Martin Luther. And I would actually tell you that you see it before that, you see it in Augustine, because who is it that uh, Calvin is quoting all the time? Augustine. Yeah. Right. But then again, oh, wait. What, what, ref, re, what the Reformation did was divide Augustine against himself, too. So Augustine is not a perfect in, inspired person. So the Reformation was about his ecclesiology trumping his soteriology. But, but have you read the book of Acts? Or wait, his have, soteriology have, have, eclipsing. Have you, yes. have you read the book of Acts? Yeah. It's all over there. Yeah. I, I've deconstructed it. Oh, and yeah. have done a really good yeah. paper on this. And again, I need to probably do a little bit more with that. But the reality is the methodology that is put forward by Van Til, by Bonson, is clearly seen in oh, yeah. the sermons of the New Testament. You, you really honestly can't have the sermons in the New Testament without the presupposition that scripture is true. Like yeah. that's that. I mean, go to Acts chapter two, the first sermon. It bases itself on the presupposition that God has spoken. Yeah, and I mean, if you get to Acts seventeen, the issue is he's in Athens, he's at the Areopagus, he's with the philosophers, the Stoics, the Epicureans. All those people were there, and so it had the Academy, Plato. It had uh, the, the Lyconium, I think is what it's called, for Aristotle. Zeno was there, Epicurus, like all that, right? So he had philosophers, and what did Paul preach against? He preached against these philosophies because he was preaching what? Christ crucified. Yes. And that leads to then presuppositionalism, which goes, here's my starting point, and I do have a philosophy, but I'm not a bottom-up philosopher. I'm somebody that gets regenerated by the Holy Spirit, loves God's Word, gets corrected by God's Word, and God has given us everything that we need to be competent for the works that He has provided, that He has made before His hand to walk, for us to walk in, right? So, I mean, that's combining a lot of Bible verses together there. Um, but that's, that's it. I mean, so again, Timothy or first Timothy three sixteen. Yes. It'd make you competent for it, you know? So that's the, the word of God written is a big deal. And that's why, you know, uh, this is a going to be a, an incorporating issue between inerrancy and presuppositionalism. But with them, it's actually questionable how far they would have took these as threads and whether or not they would have bought into a presuppositionalism at all. Now, I'm not going to mince words at all here. For the most part, presuppositional apologetics is just irrational nonsense that's dressed up with and covered There's by There's again name-calling, just would... irrational nonsense. Yeah. Okay. He's getting a lot of ad, ad hominems out of the way and a lot of shots across the bow. For a logical thinker to throw so much name-calling, you've demonstrated that you're thinking in a fallacious manner. Yeah. Just give the argument. Don't name call. Don't yeah. ad hominem. Yeah, the and I mean he's wanting to make an argument that's only because we're pious, the reason why we grab hold of this, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe we found God to be of be the starting point, 
and from there we go yeah no how dare we how dare we let the atheist control the argument whenever he lives in god's world whenever he takes everything from god and slaps him in the face with it and says no this is mine not yours wait say i know it's yours but i'm stealing it from you and then i'm just going to tell everybody you don't exist and this is mine so i mean that that's the thing is where does this piety come from and you have to prove that we're pious then or we have been made pious quote unquote genuine piety and some other people i strongly suspect it's kind of a false piety where they know they're not doing thinking properly and they're just being lazy and they're trying to cover for it with their piety so, or in that case it'd be the appearance of piety because so you're holding every thought captive to obedience yeah. to christ you're being dishonest because you're putting scripture in the prime spot you're being fallacious in your thinking what was it that christ said that he did oh he was obedient to the father he did the father's will how did he know that scripture father told him he did become human he was smart in the scriptures and that's why people were like who is this guy so he because grew in you're and seriously you're either hmm. being lazy or you've convinced yourself of something or maybe it's the fact that the holy spirit has regenerated your mind and given you the desire to put primacy on God's word as the ultimate authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at least in some cases, it's genuine. It's really espoused by people who really do believe they're seeking after God and doing what's right and good. They just happen to be wrong. This reminds me of when I had Jonathan Augustine Studi on to talk about the Thomistic response to the problem of divine foreknowledge, and he described uh, the idea of Molinism as not... Thomas Aquinas borrowed from Aristotle, which should have been biblically a no-no. Because again, are we going from the bottom up or are, have we received knowledge? So Thomas Aquinas doesn't save you unless if you're a Catholic, but I thought we were Baptist brothers here and that's the issue. Which one are you? Are you going to be a Protestant or a Catholic? Because it is a big difference. Yes. It is a huge difference. And that's, that's the issue. And that's why I'm very confused about Feel like, and I'm serious. I'm not trying to throw a shot, but I'm very confused at why he's a Baptist, yet went to a Catholic school and is on a Catholic network, yet is going to a Baptist church. Like, how does you have to be arbitrary to be fine with that? Yes, sir. Nonsense on stilts. No, I, I don't agree with him. I think there's more to Molinism than that. But that's a really, really good line. That was pretty fantastic. In another standard, he says that Molinism is more reasonable than presuppositionalism, which is a false analogy, by the way. They're not even <laughs> comparable. But then again, there would have to be some... One is a soteriology yeah. and one is a apologetics. That's based on soteriology. So it's the next step. So you have to have soteriology first. So that's apples and oranges for one. And then he's also still demanding a standard to say, why is this thing that doesn't match this thing over here more reasonable than this thing over here? Yeah. So, yeah. So presuppositionalism is typically nonsense, but it isn't even on stilts. As at least in the case of you think it's wrong, if you're being intellectually honest, you can say, well, yeah, they're able to make sophisticated, reasonable, philosophical arguments. So we've had about 10 ad hominems, nonsense, irrational, stupid, but we've actually yet to deal with those things. 
in the actual content of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see how you can even do that for presuppositionalism once you understand what it's actually saying. But this is jumping ahead a little bit. But there's a good reason why probably, well, I don't know if anybody's done a survey on this, but at least from my experience, the vast, vast, vast majority of people who I've uh, come across who fall into this camp of presuppositionalism are not philosophers and are pretty uh, ignorant of philosophy. And the reason for that is, is once you start studying Craig philosophy, Bonson you can realize... Craig Bonson was really oh, this, ignorant this in philosophy. Hmm. PhD from... How again, so UC Berkeley. This goes sorry. to show you he has Berkeley, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's wanting to again, I totally get the idea of cutting things off at the head. That's presuppositionalism. You want to go to the very basic thing. But then again, you can't go to Kuiper, you can't just go to Van Til. There is a community, I guess you could say, of people that have studied this and stuff. And if you if he would go to the rock star, I I would say, um, Greg Bonson. Um, he knows his stuff. He, uh, he takes everything down philosophically into their basic foundations of monism and dualism and then the different dualisms and all that kind of stuff. And he has it written out. He's got, I'm glad Bonson used coming out and that that's an, an option. And I hope that Phil, since it is free, he would go and, uh, listen to Bonson. It's free. I, I would, it would be much appreciated if you went there because then you wouldn't be making these claims. Now, if you're making fun of just the internet kids, some of them probably don't know philosophy, but then again, the cool thing is, is if you know the word of God, then you're going to have a philosophy to destroy these things. That's the beauty of it. But I'm not, but here's the distinction is, is he's making this like, and, and we, in the face of everything, we, we say that we're theologians and, but we recognize but the, the dichotomy is saying is like, well, you're a theologian, you're not a philosopher. It's like, no, we're philosophers too. Um, we have a philosophy, we study the scriptures, and then it makes you walk out in life and have order and all that kind of stuff. And there is, and not everything is dictated. So we do have to use logic. We do have to infer and deduce from an objective standard. And so if the argument is, and the yeah. argument is, this is the argument that he's making is a straw man. Yeah. And I'm being very serious. The people who study presuppositional apologetics are not educated in philosophy. Yeah. That is fallacious. Number one, there are educated people who practice presuppositional apologetics, starting with the guys who wrote it, Van Til and Kuiper. Yeah, especially because presuppositionalism as a coined term for it came out of, well, what was Cornelius Van Til doing? He was speaking against idealism. So if you read his works, you are pointed to the philosophers. You are pointed to existentialism and why it fails. You are pointed to all these other, like, you know, Aristotelian yeah. sort of worldview and a Plato sort of worldview. You're, you're exposed to these things. And that's how I came to go. Who is Immanuel Kant? Who is John Locke? Who is the? Who are these people? And, and some of us, and, and by the them. way, and I'm not yeah. trying to sound silly, or even some of us studied Kant and Locke in master's programs and read their original writings. Yeah. Uh, at least one, one of us here did, and you have done it on your own. Yeah. It's not that you're unfamiliar with these folks, by the way. And so, again, you've created a straw man on this. We can cite original source material. We've demonstrated that we understand these individuals. This is a straw man by 
every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't have a degree in philosophy. That's right. I don't have a degree in philosophy, but I teach in the philosophy department at a accredited college. But you know, you know, I mean, if that's the game we want to play, yeah, you know, who else got the same uh, charge against them? The apostles. Yeah. Just dumb fishermen. They're they're dumb fishermen. Hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll be a dumb fisherman and proclaim the excellencies of him who brought me out of darkness into marvelous light from his authority. I'll do that any day. So all of these name calling, then what you really should be able to do is let's deal with the actual arguments yeah. themselves. Yeah. What is, but we, we haven't got to it yet. Yeah. <laughs> Takes a long time. Work. This makes some very fundamental errors and we should throw it out. But if you've never studied philosophy and you've only say looked at theology without having a good philosophical basis to understand theology, then you're, it's going to be harder for you to see those errors. And the fact that it's so often cloaked with this uh, piety of, hey, we're just seeking after God, we're, we're trying to give God his honor and his due, is going to make it even harder for you that's to see those That's not the actual I, argument, argue, by the way. Yeah, Again, he's, what he's doing that's not here, the actual argument. Yeah, so he, what he's doing here is he's just trying to say that presuppositionalism is fideism. Yes. Which is not the case. And if, you're, if you've listened to this podcast, if you listen to other people, you know that's not the case, but it's what you got to do to at least get people that are that are asking questions and don't know this is how you turn them off. Isn't it interesting that we yeah. This is how I Isn't it interesting that we yeah. debated a a doctor of philosophy, a guy who teaches classes in philosophy at a doctoral level and he didn't accuse us of being unread. Number 1. And number 2, he didn't say, oh, you're just being uh, falsely pious and you're just fideist. No, he didn't say either of those things. He actually dealt with the text of scripture and the arguments that we were making, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Against somebody saying, I just want to give uh, love, glory, and honor to God. It's very hard to do that if you don't already have some good tools and a basis to recognize, well, yeah, you have good intentions, but you're just way, way off base here. Now, I also want to make a note real quickly that uh, presuppositional apologetics is in, in no way and in no sense the same thing as an, the idea of reformed epistemology that comes from Alvin Plantinga. In fact, thank you. Excellent. At least that's one truth here. Excellent. Categorical difference. The interactions I've had with people who subscribe to presuppositionalism, most of them can't stand Plantinga at all in virtually any type of his philosophy. Plantinga does come from a Reformed tradition or Calvinist tradition in uh, theology, but his uh, philosophy is very, very uh, different from presuppositionalism, and this is not at all the same thing. Sometimes I've seen people try to lump them together, and they're not the same thing. Now, way back in January when I finished uh, the debate with David and I did my uh, wrap-up podcast episode of that, I explained that he subscribes to this uh, system of presuppositional apologetics and said that this is more or less the same thing as fideism. And that was, uh, how can I put this, a gross oversimplification? Yes. Fideism is usually defined as the idea that knowledge can only come from faith, and faith needs no... uh, If you would have done any of your homework, you would have known that that was the case. This is the thing that's actually crazy to me yeah there was nothing that was a surprise in that debate like here i've done multiple public debates it's on the website yeah <laughs> any homework that you would do at all yeah he later on demonstrate just like, you know, that we actually were presuppositionalist the transcendental argument for the existence of god we've not hid that under a rock by the way yeah and that's the thing is later on and we'll we'll get up to that point he says like you know i because he, he talks about the transcendental argument for god and he's like and i think I think that's why it's called Taggurit, but I don't know, but I'm not certain, but I think that's what it is. He never told me. And so it's one of those things like he hasn't done Bonson. Like he doesn't do, he's not doing his homework on that. Like I want to read, like if I'm going to debate him, I'm going to want to read Aquinas. I'm going to want to see what he said about Aquinas. 
and all these other methodologies. So Dave and I are going to sit around and listen to his podcast of any sort of methodological things, any philosophical things, find out what makes him tick and why he is where he is so that, you know, because we did that whenever we I have read done his debates paper. before. Yeah. I read his stinking paper and marked it up. Like I yeah. still have it. Yeah. Like I knew exactly what I was dealing with. Yeah. And so what he's doing here is he still hasn't done it. He's, he's not, he's talking about it and I hope he ends up doing more homework and I'm sure hopefully after this podcast, um, he probably will hopefully get into Bonson um, before, if we have a debate, he better get into Bonson before he has the debate. You know, I asked for my Van Til books back from Dave so I can prepare, <laughs> so I can have quotes, yes. so I can get back in the mode. And I'll sit down to my lectures that. and do the same. Yeah. There's no other reasons, that kind of a thing. And uh, in practice, presuppositionalism usually ends up that way, but it's not exactly the same thing. So that was, uh, you, might, you might want to say that was a little bit of an unfair characterization on my part, oh, yeah. but in practice it becomes more or less the same thing. Now, there's one further point I want to make before I start digging into the meat of this and getting really, really into it, and that's that Presuppositional apologetics is, relatively speaking, a very, very new thing. I, I argued with David that the type of inerrancy he was describing to is a very new thing. Which is false, apologetics is and I proved, wait a second, which is false, and I demonstrated from multiple quotes from church history, and I demonstrated from scripture itself that this was actually a summation of the historic position. If you've read the book, you can see that. And guess what? That's just a... That's just a toe in the waters of how deep it actually is entrenched in mm. church history. Oh, that was unrefuted. Oh, notice that he never actually dealt with any of the statements from church history or offered direct quotes from church history in that debate to refute that position. And you can read it. it it's it's yeah. right there. Yeah. Why, if, if, if this was a new thing, then you need to show me from church history that these individuals believed in some type of a sliding scale when they were talking about the truth of scripture. No, no. They recognized the distinct differences in literature of scripture. Yeah, that's been done for a while, by the way. Oh, wait, I find that in the New Testament when they deal with scripture. But give me a quote from church history. Give me a quote from Christ himself that actually says that your position that it's a sliding scale that truth has some type of dynamic meaning show me that was the challenge you failed over and over again in that debate to do that and you didn't even try mm -hmm. it arose primarily due to the writings of Piper and Ventil only in about the early to late 1900s and so I think as I've said before many times a good rule of thumb in philosophy and theology is when you somebody espouses a new idea they have a very high burden of proof to me to say this is a good idea and so we should apply that same standard to precept and it's still been yeah the battle is going to rage and you're making man the standard and so mm. people disagree and if people don't agree then it's failure well people don't agree with you so you're a failure i mean that's that's the thing um is it new in history again he's going to get into calvin and he's going to get in the issue but calvin it's right out of the gate it, it's and he doesn't really address Okay, okay, presuppositionalism is consistent with this, and that's going to be the issue. So we're going to, you're going to be able to find it. Now, it's not going to be called presuppositionalism, but guess Bingo. what? Guess what? It was novel. Trinity was novel. Well, that was exactly what I was going to say. This argument is similar yeah. to saying that the Nashville statement shouldn't be trusted because it's new. Yeah. Well, See, I'm just going to say. Or the know. Danvers statement shouldn't be trusted yeah. because it's new. Yeah. You get into the same issue. Okay, 
when you look at the summation of church history and you follow the line, is this consistent with what people were articulating? And I can promise you, it's not just new with Calvin. He's quoting Augustine all over the place, by the way, and others. And of course, it wasn't true. Now, certainly that reemphasis on the primacy of Scripture in the Protestant Reformation was incredibly important. And they went back, actually, and quoted other people who felt the same way, if you've read their writings. You note that they're actually saying, wait a second, we got away from this. We got away from this. That's exactly why Calvin would say, man's heart is an idol factory. Mm-hmm. We're always wanting to make God in our image. That's why we need to keep going back to scripture. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the issue. So you know how I know you're a Catholic? Because you think the that whenever pe- things come together and you put terms on things, like we're finally defining things, and that's what makes it new. Instead of actually thinking more, instead of parts and pieces, but more holistically, whenever an apologetic thing happens, which what happened at Princeton? Neoplatonism. Uh, the uh, the uh, grammatical or the the historical critical um, German scholarship broke it up. It was responded it was, to. It was Phil's people <laughs> that caused a split, and that's the difference. And 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 so how do I? That's the thing. When I say that is something apologetical happens, and then things get defined because God works through adversity. It's awesome, and then truth comes out. And I believe Vantil was on to something, and then it's been taught. Even though it's still been fought, that's just how deep entrenched man's philosophy is still in the people, and we need to get it out. And that's why we continue to preach the gospel and the certainty of God's existence and the certainty of Christ and his incarnation and his atonement. And you can, if, if that is just a probable thing, please preach it as a probable thing. But again, you can't live in your world and you demonstrate it every time you preach the gospel. So that's again, a case for presuppositionalism, but yeah, that's, this is all, all the big issue. Apologetics. It, hey, maybe, maybe the last uh, 1800 some odd years of Christian apologetics before presupp came along, got it all wrong. That's in some senses at least possible. But the people who espouse presuppositionalism then have a very, very high burden to meet because they don't only have to demonstrate that their way of doing things is how long have we believed the Roman Catholic Church to be wrong? A long time. It's okay. Probable or reasonable. They have to demonstrate that everybody who came before them was wrong and missed the boat and missed the bar somehow. But that's the and issue yeah. when you say and when you assert. So yeah. his assertion is presuppositionalism is, is, is foreign. It's new. No, no. The statement that this is presuppositional apologetics certainly begins with those folks but they didn't just pull it out of the air yeah they read church history they dealt with apologetic methodologies and philosophy and theology in order to articulate such a thing read van Til and you'll see mm-hmm. it's that mm-hmm. simple yes. read kuiper and you'll see you'll keep on going backwards not only do I think they haven't done that and really can't do that because presuppositional apologetics just makes one very, very fundamental error and hence it goes wrong completely all the rest of it. Now, Second time he said that he hasn't provided until way in the future here. What I'm going to try to do here is uh, rather than just say what that error is, give you an example to move on because then the podcast would be you know, 10, maybe 15 minutes long at that. I'm going to give you a little bit of a history as to where the threads of this type of uh, system of thinking, or as I would say, non-thinking, 
came from. I want to continue to poison the well instead of just giving you the problem and then talking about the problem. There you go. Guess what? A 15-minute podcast that is quality is better than a quantitative, <laughs> the quantity of an episode. It's okay. And I understand maybe he's underneath engagements to have a certain amount of time because yeah. he's on a bigger platform than we are, uh, which is okay. But how about just get to the straight poop? That's, that's how we can actually talk. But instead of poisoning and poisoning and poisoning and poisoning, it's stupid. You're not thinking ad hominem, ad hominem, ad hominem. Just think about what you are doing. Th- that's what you're getting. That's what you're doing to and, us. And, and I'm saying- are we, that's the big question. That I have to ask the same question to Philip Wright and see if you answer it. Do you consider Dave and I brothers? Do you consider us fellow co-laborers in the fields of the harvest of God in his kingdom? Then if please so- stop. If so, then engage us. If not, then just outright say it flat up. You're not Christians. You're not saved. We've actually given you the benefit of the doubt. Phil Wright, not Phil Kohlberg, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Make sure. Yeah. But I'm I'm going to say it. You know, the same thing is like, it's, it's, it's stupid. It's dumb. You're not thinking and all that kind of stuff. I believe you're serious. That's usually the caveat that kind of makes you appear pious. But stop, like, just give a real objective, but then if you don't have an object, see the problem here. It causes division. And so, again, I want to be in good faith with Phil Kahlberg, and I will go to a debate in good faith for a good discussion. But I want him to understand this is the kind of stuff, the reason why people have bad faith when they talk to people. So let's stop this. Let's actually have a real conversation. If you could make a podcast and just go, here's, here's what I, here's how I've pieced together why I believe presuppositionalism is wrong and stop poisoning the well and just get to the straight stuff. That would have been awesome. And try and uh, steel man it up a little bit. Try and give it a fair representation given it's due. Because I'm criticizing it, and I'm going to criticize it as I go through. But I want you to, I want to try and give it a good representation nonetheless, because that's what I try and do. It's, I don't want to just be the kind of guy who uh, knocks things down and moves on. We all need to do our best to understand other people's ideas, other people's systems of thought, and only after we've understood them as best as we can, then say, okay, here's where it goes wrong. Here's the right points, here's the wrong points, and here's why we should reject this or accept this, and so on and so forth. We should all uh, take that responsibility. It's about working to the principle of charity, and we should all do that. So that's what I'm going to try and do here now. Now, virtually all presuppositions and those who take a similar pattern of thought will attempt to appeal or go back to John Calvin and Calvinism in some way. You may well find some Calvinists who work in apologetics who are not presuppositionalists, but I think they're rare. And you could at least, in theory, it's logically possible, find a presuppositionalist. <laughs> Sorry, also I just have to say, R.C. Sproul, like, you don't have to read very far to yeah. know that. Yeah, but then again, if you uh, get R.C. Sproul's commentary on John, he does mention something in there that makes me go like, how can you say that? Because he does say that Aristotle and Plato borrowed capital. He uses the term borrowed capital, by the way, because, well, he knows Greg Bonson. And well, Kuiper, you know, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he says that they borrowed capital from Jesus Christ. And then I had somebody come up online, my atheist buddy. <laughs> but Jesus Christ was born after these guys. And I was like, really? <laughs> you know. And, but, but that's the thing is, so are, you know, a lot of people, if they're in the Calvinist tradition are going to probably find themselves very inconsistent with that approach. Because like I said, R.C. Sproul did say possibility of God, but what did he do from the pulpit? That's the inconsistency. And by the way, Paul E. Taylor actually is a 
non-Calvinist who uses the presuppositional approach. And I'm still trying to figure out about... I actually I'm think Ken Ham is also... I don't yeah. think Ken Ham is uh, yeah. reformed either, by yeah. the way. And, so. I, and Jason Lyle, I have no clue. Uh, he went good. to a yeah. Methodist uh, school, so but I, I don't know. Yeah. But those are definitely not... I, I would say that they're definitely not like the out there and loud and proud reform guys. Um, Cause if you are Calvinist and you are presuppositional, you talk about it. Yes. So these guys don't necessarily talk about, it. I'm going to say that they're not really reformed um, and they probably wouldn't admit reformed, but they are presuppositionalist and they might be at least from a pragmatic standard because they see it works and they see the truth in it. Yeah. But they probably see the truth in it first. Um, and then they see how it works really well. Um, yeah. I'm a Calvinist, but I've never heard of one and never met them. Generally speaking, if you have a presuppositionalist, they're also Calvinistic in their theology and vice versa. Although, it, logically speaking, doesn't have to be that way. Okay, sorry about that. It started raining and I figured you didn't need the additional background noise of the rain hitting the windshield in it, as well as the sound of the car running. Fortunately, it seems to have a gone down to a mild sprinkle now, so I'll start this again. Anyhow, my point was, the fact that you find Calvinism and presuppositional together so often, even though they don't necessarily have to be, it's very similar to how you often find uh, Catholic philosophers who are Thomists, and most Thomists are going to be Catholics, although, again, doesn't necessarily have to be that way. I know. Yeah, but uh, you need to get Scott Oliphant. The problem is, if you are consistently covenantal, you will be presuppositional, and this is why there is the issue um, at Westminster. This is why it's still being talked about is because it is a consistent covenantal apologetic. And that's why the shift in terminology, this is why I've adopted the shift in terminology. I still will use presuppositionalism because it's, it's out there. theology. Yeah. Um, Van, Til- theology. yeah Van Til didn't coin the term anyway. He didn't call it presuppositionalism. It was, some, it was the, kind of like the term Christian. It was used, it was uh, used by people on the outside looking in. So being a Christian actually is taken on a moniker from the outside world, from the people that actually probably want to kill them. They were given a name and the Christians are like, okay, I'll take it. Same thing with uh, Van Til and presuppositionalism. He didn't mean to call it that. Um, but Van or Scott Oliphant has done a better job saying, you know, Van Til's real heart of the issue is covenant. Yes. And a covenantal apologetic. So yes. to even say presuppositionalism is to be very arbitrary because of the fact of what pre- what covenantal apologetics exposes is the fact that everybody has an arbitrary starting point, right? If you don't have the objective God, the triune God of scriptures. And that's why Van Til would call himself a theologian over a philosopher. So if you read um, Jerusalem at Athens, you know, it's interesting whenever he, like Rushduni talks about the one in many problem. And then he writes back to Rushduni going like, you're making me sound too philosophical because I'm not a philosopher, but it's because we make theology prime and then move out to philosophy to view because we're supposed to be um, testing the spirits, right? This is well, a command of scripture. And and stuff if like that. Christ yeah. has regenerated your mind, then the way you think would therefore be fundamentally changed compared yeah. to an unregenerate person. Yeah. Christ gave us a new mind. Therefore, our understanding starts with the one who gave us the new mind. Yeah. That's why he can tell us in First Corinthians to hold every thought captive to obedience to Christ, yeah. right? That's why when Paul speaks that you were dead in your trespasses and sins in Ephesians, right? That deadness, you weren't just dead in one spot. You were all dead. You were totally dead. And of course, well, he doesn't yeah. like total depravity. Yeah, I, need, get I need that. to get the numbers down, but even Isaiah says that you're corrupted in the mind. 
Yeah. So if you want something explicit, Isaiah and says again, so. Well, and again, yeah. he says the heart is uh, yeah. corrupt above all. Yeah. And of course, as you understand the Hebrew mind heart dynamic that essentially means your reasoning yeah. right is is corrupt and and i'm not that's not just coming from dave like anyone can go and, and look those things up in, in a lexicon like i'm not mm -hmm. a hebrew my my hebrew class well which was my old testament two class all the hebrew that i took i just wrote down and didn't really pay as much attention as i should but i can certainly tell you that that term is used very synonymously so yeah i know we're gonna have to kind of wrap this up here in just a yeah, minute which, so, like I how said, far did we get into it we haven't even yeah. gotten to the argument so yet. what do you you guys want to have it a three-parter because that's probably what's going to happen yeah uh, anyway yeah we're uh, about 15 minutes and 18 seconds in so if you guys uh really if you want to just listen to it yeah um next time we get together we'll keep on going but then you might have some more information to follow along uh get interactive get you know watch us uh, ask questions, um, point things out, whatever. Um, this is a, you know, this is a part of our, our debate, uh, our debate prep. And yeah. So we're, and we're, we're, yeah. we're really hoping yeah. again, uh, I don't understand all the ad hominems. I, I really don't. It just seems odd to me that you would intentionally knowing throw ad hominems out. Like, I think that that devalues any interaction that you would have with, and I mean this sincerely, we don't think Phil is stupid. Notice that we haven't said that his position is yeah. stupid. We've said this is arbitrary, which means we're asking for more concrete terminology to be given. We're actually appealing to, okay, give us an objective standard by which to argue against or to be able to test and to be able to evaluate, to do an internal critique on. That's what we're asking for. Yeah. We're not throwing ad hominems out there. That's not what we're we've ever done, by the way. I'm um, sure I'm sure I'm sure there's been a time or two where we've and, said something, but And that's the thing is if we do, please let us know. Yeah. So that we can say we're sorry and repent. Or um, if we've thrown up a straw works. man. Yeah. Right? Like let us know. That's going to happen because everyone is still going to be impacted by the fall even though we have regenerate minds we're still doing war with the flesh the spirit yeah. and the the spirit in the flesh or at war in the process of sanctification right yeah. we see that happening we can give a reason for bad reasoning yeah that's that's a very central issue yeah if there the is bad reasoning what standard can you judge that yeah so, so yeah. it'll be uh, we'll probably do a show next week. I'll, I'll be here cause we're going to do some writing project stuff next yeah, week. Yeah, so. so we'll have to do that and uh, continue this discussion anyway. Um, and keep this, keep this going, but yeah, we'll probably, I'd say another part or two, but then again, I'm just letting you guys know it's important that we do, um, a few parts because we want to include you guys into what is coming up. Um, not just keeping you, um, inside your home, inside your car, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, but, uh, come out and meet us in the civil sphere in the square uh, where we can discuss these ideas, where we can share the experience of discussing these ideas and also um, be in a room eventually with people we disagree with and have an after party. You know, that's, that's about it. Let's get these things discussed. Let's preach the gospel. Um, let's uh, go and make disciples of all nations, um, instructing them in um, the teachings of Jesus Christ. I mean, then this is part of the deal. So anyway, uh, we'll continue this, uh, Phil's problem with, uh, with presuppositionalism here, uh, in the future. So, but, uh, 
until then, thank you guys uh, so much for being a part um, uh, and being in the, with us on the live side, on the podcast side, and the YouTube side. We thank all of you. Please subscribe to our YouTube if you're new or haven't yet. Um, like and subscribe and put ratings up please give reviews that actually helps our ministry. If yeah. you leave a review like on an Apple podcast or whatever, those oh, things goodness. jump up and helps us uh, be uh, seen. And that furthers our ministry and reach subscribe um, yeah. to the YouTube page. We would love more subscribers. Uh, if we had more subscribers, we might be able to just pop over there only uh, as a possibility. I don't know. Um, yeah. We've yeah. got a if lot we... of things to continue to think about. Um, yeah. We're grateful for the platform that Facebook has provided us with. And we're thankful for those of you who have tuned in and continue to tune in uh, whatever means by which you actually get the podcast we're grateful yeah so yeah with that said this is the tag your it podcast i am ray ray and i am dave and solely deo gloria gloria